Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome to Around the Corner, the Covering the Corner Prospects and Minor Leagues podcast. I am your co-host, Matt Schlichting, joined as always by Brian Hemminger. Brian, how are you doing? It's a little difficult to explain. I'm extremely happy that Cleveland won the Central. But I'm sad because after tomorrow, there will be no more minor league season. None. This is it. Yeah. Uh, it's been a very exciting season for Cleveland's minor leaguers and prospects. It is officially 16 different players that made their rookie debut this year. Is that correct? Yes. And it could have been 17 because they called up Carlos Vargas and he never played. So there's still a chance that Carlos gets called up because they've got a few days left and maybe they just want to, you know, let him get his shot regardless. So I, if there is one more player that's going to debut this season, it would be him. We still have some pretty exciting guys to talk about who are working on wrapping up. There's one extremely exciting guy that we get to talk about who was able to make his MLB debut recently. Oh yes. So we won't delay anymore. I'll go ahead and lead things off with the number one overall prospect, as voted for by CoveringTheCorner.com readers. And if you're new to the podcast, we start the show every week by breaking down the stats of the top 10 players from the Guardian system um, and basically just tell you how they're doing, how they've been doing, if we think there's any interesting trends to keep an eye on with them. So George Valera slashed 208, 278. 396. That was good for a WRC plus of 75. Striking out a little bit with a 24.1% strikeout rate. And this was across 13 games in which he did have three doubles, two home runs, but not quite the walk rate we're used to seeing from him. A little bit of a strikeout bug. But again, this is sort of normal territory for a down George Valera. Yeah, this was a slightly below average George Valera, and he still managed to hit a few home runs, and he actually had as many extra base hits as singles. And a down George Valera had a 24% strikeout rate. I can live with that. If he's if that was a slumping George Valera, then, you know, you better watch out. <laughs> it looks like nearly half the time he was on base, he scored, too. Part of that's on the offense behind him, but... It- not making a ton of mistakes out on the base path. Yeah, there there have been a few guys at that AAA level that have been uh, hitting very well, as you will see. Because pretty much everybody that has been playing over the last two weeks has been at AAA. <laughs> uh, because 
regular single A and high A both finished their regular seasons a couple weeks ago. Uh, double A wrapped up about a week and a half ago. So it, it's really only triple A playing right now. You are right. Some of these triple A players are doing rather exciting things. Yeah, we'll get there. I promise. So number two on the list. Not quite as thrilling numbers as we've seen from in the past, but tell us about Brian Rocchio. Yeah, uh, not a great slash. 192, 271, 288. Good for a 51 WRC+. plus. Did hit a home run and two doubles. And the strikeouts and walks aren't that bad either. Uh, struck out 13.6% uh, of the time, uh, walked 85 uh, because he had uh, five walks and eight strikeouts over that 13-game uh, period. So just basically, you know, below average, but it's nothing that would sink a team. So, and he was doing a lot better at AAA before that. So just had a little bit of a rough patch at AAA and, You'll see from the rest on, uh, everybody else has been pretty good. So I'm mm -hmm. excited to, to move on with our players here. I guess the main thing I'd toss on the pile about Rokio is just the bad of being a little bit unusually low for the yeah. set of 205. Weeks, so that's that's going to hurt him. Them's the breaks. We, we got to make a quick stop to the major leagues here, I believe, actually. Um, do we not? Yes. And. It's Tyler Freeman, and we have a very special stop for him because guess what, Matt? I believe he is no longer rookie eligible. Yes, he no has graduated his rookie status. Tyler Freeman and Will Benson both are now officially no longer rookies. How cool is that? Now, Will obviously didn't get quite as many at-bats as Tyler has so far and not as many opportunities. He's kind of been the last guy on the bench right now. Um, at the major league level, but yeah, I think he's had some pretty impressive moments, especially on defense and base running. Um, but uh, Tyler has been given some opportunities, and he's made the best of them so far. Um, and during this recent stretch of two weeks, um, while he didn't get a ton of at-bats, uh, he played six games, Slashed 333, 400, 389 with a five singles, a double, three runs scored, a hit by pitch, of course, <laughs> uh, a walk only. Uh, he is striking out 20% of the time. It's a little surprising. But, uh, yeah, I mean, everything looks good. I mean, watching him bat at the major league level, he looks comfortable there. I think... Uh, Given a little bit more time, I mean, I would take him in my lineup as a right-handed bat over Owen Miller any day of the week at, already. I can't wait to see the kind of performance he's going to put up next season now that he's had the opportunity to play a little bit at the major league level. Oh, I should add, if people are interested, um, MLB Pipeline has added two new names to the, the top 30 with Freeman and... Benson graduating. Do you have any guesses or do you just want me to go right to him? Go for it. Okay. Uh, number Coming in at number 29. So this was after the first player graduated, the the former number 30, uh, Hunter Gaddis, believe it or not. So even though he has not had success at the major league level, uh, Hunter has been had a very good um, season this year at the minor league level. And 
uh, MLB Pipeline believes in him. And at number 30, Joe Lampa, or Lamp. I'm not sure yet exactly how to pronounce it. I believe but... it is Lamp because okay. the college account where he played would yeah. often reference Anchorman. He was the third round pick for Cleveland in this most recent draft. And I believe he was the only player that out of the position players that Cleveland drafted that this year that got a chance to play at the full season level. He he got three games and 11 plate appearances at Lynchburg. So uh, didn't exactly, you know, play well. He got one hit, one RBI, one walk, struck out six times in 10 at-bats, 11 plate appearances. Uh, so had a WRC plus a negative 11, but that's that's an extremely extremely small sample size of three games. So it's going to be exciting to see him ramp that up and continue to progress to the system. So there's a lot to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, being a in a, a college bat, uh, the fact that they put him straight to Lynchburg the the year they drafted him means I mean next year he'll be either at Lynchburg or Lake County to begin with, which which means that Chase DeLauder is also going to be at one of those levels. So. As we've noted, aggressive placements, never a bad thing. Unless yeah. you Especially really for, for college guys who, who can move quickly through the system, as we've seen. Facts. Um, a, a non-college guy by the name of Daniel Espino, still very highly regarded everywhere as a prospect, including here. But I believe he is still just injured for now. Yep. Still recovering. Uh, basically... Wait till next year. I was wondering if they were going to put him in the Arizona Fall League, which starts next month, early next month. And uh, I might, it might even start next week. <laughs> um, but Espino was not on the list of Cleveland prospects. I'm going to have to pull that up because there were a few interesting prospects that are going to be participating. But yeah, Espino is not one of them. The good news is everything that is popping up in terms of the big prospect rankings are still listing him as Cleveland's best prospect, even after basically he only made four stars this year. Like he's, he was that impressive. (laughs) So just wait till next year with Daniel Espino and just hope we don't hear any devastating news while he's working out in the off season. Cause this kid is a workout machine. I mean, he does all kinds of crazy things like yoga, super stretching, like, there's a reason that he was able to build up that strength and stamina to be able to dominate the way he was. Mm-hmm. You've said everything so well. I'm just going to move on to our number five man, who is Gabriel Arias. Yeah. And uh, Arias, um, just like Tyler Freeman, now not just like Tyler Freeman, he has not graduated yet, but he has been called up. Uh, there was a really interesting a list of transactions that Cleveland made where they uh, DFA'd Ernie Clement and sent down Richard Palacios and they called up Gabriel Arias and someone else who we will get to later. Um, And this was Arias's third call-up this season. And it looks like he is finally ready to be a major leaguer, I think, this time around. Um, Now, granted, extremely small sample size. I'm not including his AAA stats before his call-up. But in his two games with Cleveland, uh, not counting today in which he hit his first major league home run as we are recording this podcast, which is not included in the stats, um, Arias is slashing 286, 500, 571 in his seven 
at-bats, 10 plate appearances. And that's with only two hits, because one of them was a triple, one was a single, and he walked three times and stole a base. So he's seeing and hitting the ball much better than his previous trips up to the majors. Because if you and look at his overall was, slash right now... He was so free-swinging the last time he got called, the last two times he got called up. Now, granted, you know, he has pretty good bat-to-ball skills and a lot of power for a, for a middle infielder. Uh, but, you know, you want a guy that is going to be a little bit more patient up there and be willing to wait for his pitch. And it seems like his nerves are finally sorted out and he's comfortable at the plate facing major league pitchers and it's showing. And especially if you include the fact that he blasted his first career home run today as well. Confidence is a huge thing for these guys when they're making their first, I don't know why strides is what came to mind. That makes it sound like it's a Lord of the Rings scene. Jeez. When they get to the major leagues, confidence plays a big part in how well they transition. And I love the fact that he's walked three times. I mean, this was a guy that people were saying isn't capable of taking walks, like almost Oscar Gonzalez-esque. And um, Arias getting three walks and 10 plate appearances. That's huge. Huge for his own confidence, the fact that he can wait and not. And when pitchers are throwing him junk, that he can just spit on it and take his base. Um, that's going to force pitchers to throw to him. And you can see when they do, he can do some serious damage. He's been blurping the snoot a little bit now. Who's next? Uh, next up, we've got Nolan Jones, who surprisingly still in the minor leagues. Um, and you know what? He could have been down there pouting, but he's making the best of it and putting up some good numbers. Uh, over the last two weeks, spanning 11 games, slashing 340 with a 426 on base percentage, 533 slugging, uh, striking out 23.6% of the time, walking 10.9, uh, a 162 WRC plus, smashed two home runs, four doubles, 10 singles. I mean, just doing a little bit of everything. It's the kind of damage that he can do. And understandably, this is a triple A, but he's torching it. And it's a nice turnaround from two weeks ago where his WRC plus was 13. And again, it's going to be a really interesting offseason and spring training where Cleveland is going to have to figure out what they're going to do with all of these stud prospects and what where they're going to go, who's going to be in the, the roster, who's going to be you know the next man up at AAA. And as more players keep getting promoted and advancing through the system, Who's getting traded? Because you're going to have to trade people at some point this offseason. I'm sorry. I mean, what happens in the Rule 5 draft? Yeah, Rule 5 isn't going to be as bad, honestly, because a lot of the guys that they were going to potentially have to add for the Rule 5, they've already done. Like, uh, you know, Curry and Gaddis and, and, and a few others who we'll get to. <laughs> um, like, there's really only a couple must-adds that aren't on yet, like, Angel Martinez and, and maybe uh, uh, Jonathan Rodriguez, who had a breakout season and is at double A. Like, he just hit, what, 26 home runs or something this year, maybe more. Like, somebody's going to take him if we don't add him to our 40 men. A lot of the guys that might have been, you know, steel worthy, uh, you know, they're hurt. Like, you know, Ethan Hankins and Lenny Torres, like those high schoolers that we drafted a few years back. None of them have are to the point where I think that we're worried about them getting stolen. So 
I think I think we're actually going to be in an okay position for the Rule 5 draft, but we'll get to that in November. So tell me a little bit about uh, a one Mr. Logan Allen. Logan Allen made three starts during the last two weeks. In 14 innings pitched, he had an ERA of 6.43, striking out 11.5% of the batters faced, but or not percent, excuse me, that's 11.5 per nine, uh, and walking 3.2 per nine. Didn't really give up too many home runs, but on the whole, he ended up allowing 12 hits, 11 total runs crossed, with 10 of them earned. Between five walks, all of the hits, a hit by, or a hit batsman, just a couple of tough starts. And as you mentioned earlier when we were talking, one of those starts to end the season was pretty good, but it was a tough line for the two weeks. And, and honestly, he was unlucky during this stretch. Um, when you allow, what, 16 base runners in, uh, or 17 base runners in 14 innings, you're not supposed to give up 11 runs. That's just not how it works. So he, he was very unlucky during this stretch. Uh, probably should have given up half of that in terms of runs. Um, but uh, the, the one real bright spot is his strikeouts have stayed up. Um, while he has struggled at AAA, um, he was, I think, top three in the past five years in the Cleveland minor league system for a season of strikeouts. He stayed healthy all year. Um, and actually, it was it was Logan Allen and I think Tanner Bybee that both were just number two and three behind Tristan McKenzie's season from like three or four years ago when he was, I think, one of the top strikeout artists in all minor league baseball. That's fantastic. So they, they were higher than anybody else from even last year or this year. Uh, so that that's a really good sign that they, they stayed healthy and had strong seasons. Um, but the bright side with Logan Allen is his final start. Um, he went five innings, one hit, two walks, no earned runs and six strikeouts. So that's how you want to finish a season at least. So uh, I will look at that as the bright spot. Uh, he, he closed out his 2022 with his best start at AAA. Um, so hopefully, you know, he can do his work in the off season and come in ready to dominate AAA and set himself up to make some starts for Cleveland next year. Embarrass some fools. Uh, the next guy on our list is Gavin Williams at number eight, but he has not made a start since September 13th. Uh, yeah, he, he started basically right before our last podcast, and that was his last start of the season because the double-A season ended a few days later, and I think the double-A season ended on a Tanner Bybee start. and Of course, Bybee dominated, but uh, he's not in our top ten at the moment. So <laughs> At the moment. Uh, but yeah, Gavin Williams had a great... Uh, rookie season or debut season in Cleveland system, just like a lot of people predicted that he would be just an incredible, impressive specimen. Started at high A, dominated there, went to double A, dominated there, had like maybe one or two bad starts the entire season. So I really liked what I saw out of Gavin Williams, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do next year. So just stay healthy, Gavin, please. <laughs> Don't tear your ACL, man. Just Dude. don't do it. Got wood. Knocking on some wood over here. Well, I'm just suggesting that if curse. he has 
the well, overwhelming. I'm, I'm urge. at least glad you're saying ACL instead of like elbow ligaments or something. Sure. No, I, I would so never... ACLs you fully easily recoverable. Like that's like a walk in the park for doctors now. Should she have the urge to, for some reason, intentionally plant funny and then try to change directions? Oh, stop, quickly? please. I'm just say don't. You're making my stomach churn, man. Walk normally, Gavin. Number nine on the list is John Kenzie Noel. Yeah, uh, I think the most exciting thing about Noel is when the double A season ended, Cleveland promoted three prospects up to triple A, and Noel was one of them. So he's actually a triple A right now, and he's been getting some time uh, at the triple A level. Now, he hasn't done well. I think he only played like two or three games, and he's got like one hit and a couple walks. But if you factor in his last few starts at double A as well, um, he slashed 226, 314, 355 with uh, four doubles out of his seven hits <laughs> and three singles. So he had more ex- more doubles than singles and walked a couple times, struck out nine times, got hit by a couple pitches. 86 WRC plus, just a little barely below average. Um, so not too bad. And the fact that they closed out the season promoting him to AAA is exciting because he started the year at high A. So he went up two levels this year. He was flying through the system. It was a very, very exciting year for him as a prospect. So he's he's officially fully caught up to Valera and Rocchio now, who were who were in his his class. It is going to be wild. If you know, I'll I'll hold that thought until we get to the the number ten person on our list. Yeah, and they've been starting uh, Noel at first base a couple times, which is he has typically been an outfielder and third baseman. Everybody says he's the future first baseman, but he hasn't really been playing there. But he's been playing there a few times at AAA now. So that's exciting because that is the one big missing piece right now at Cleveland is some power at first base from the right-handed side. It's exciting. We will finish the top 10 countdown with some news about Bo Naylor. Uh, Bo Naylor, monster finish to his season. Uh, slashing 310 with a 355 on base, 655 slugging. That's because he's bashed three home runs and a double. He topped 2020, getting a, I think he's at 21 home runs and 20 steals now on his season. If you combine his double A and triple A stats, only Bo Naylor and Will Benson have done that in the last 15 years in the Cleveland minor league system. That's impressive. And he's a catcher. He's a he's a catcher. Can you imagine if Austin Hedges stole twenty bases and hit twenty home runs? No. It just just, just, quite... just imagine that in your lineup. It's gonna happen next year. It's dangerous, and I look forward to. But I mean, adding Naylor to the mix, we're now looking at another group of prospects. They're even more so than last season. They're all kind of there, and they're ready. Ready. Yeah, almost. Everybody at our top 10, everyone in the top 10 right now is double A or higher. It would be a very exciting time uh, to head out to spring training. Yeah. Like, I might go live out in spring training. (laughs) Just just, just place out in Goodyear. Just camp at Goodyear for. (laughs) I'm sure you could find a space between some of the fields out there where there's. I've got a cousin that lives in Phoenix, so I think that's close. Yeah. Maybe that maybe maybe that'll be the fine the time to cash it in. So this every IOU that he's ever had for me. So <laughs> just to wrap it up, a really exciting 
season on the whole, I think, for the top 10 players that yeah. our website readers voted on. And yeah, they, they all two of them got promoted. Two yeah, of them I mean, had enough at-bats that they're not even eligible as prospects anymore. It's kind of cool. Yep. Um, and another one actually got promoted as well. That's how Bo got in. So, mm-hmm. so uh, they did an excellent job. I mean, the only person that you can even be slightly disappointed with is, you know, how Logan Allen, you know, had a rough stretch after getting promoted to AAA or possibly, or just Espino being, you know, shut down after just an insane start. So, uh, but even then, there were just flashes of brilliance. So like no one out of this group had a season that you, you could honestly say that you were disappointed. I, yeah, I think that's fair. The only one I might push you a little bit on is Logan Allen, but I think that's some recency bias just because of yeah. the struggles. And he, he had. was so good at double a, right. So that still matters. And, and, still counts. and, and still, was a strikeout machine. He had more strikeouts this year than Gavin Williams. I still wonder if he... I need to figure out if we have a way of knowing what pitches pitchers at the minor league level use per game. Because I wonder if he just started working on a different pitch mix or something. I haven't heard anything like that. I'm not sure. It felt like there was a pretty dramatic change, more than you'd expect just from going up a level. But maybe that's just me. Yeah, it, Super it was a stark contrast, his performance. Like, he really struggled with his command when he first got promoted. And I don't know if that's just because he was facing more experienced hitters that weren't chasing his, you know, out pitches, or if he just maybe it was a different ball and he just had trouble, you know, with the grip. Or I, I honestly don't know. And we won't know unless uh, people ask him about it in the offseason and we check out the interviews. So We may or may not ever find out. Well, maybe but, I'll maybe I'll interview him in the offseason. What we can find out now is who the top five players were from outside the top ten in the entire Cleveland Guardians system. They could include top ten. It's just none of them were. <laughs> and then, and you remember we had you know guys with a one sixty two WRC plus one fifty nine. So the but fact were they, they good enough? They no. were not. They were not. We actually had some monstrous performances. So I'm really excited to talk about our top five players of the past two weeks. Uh, I will say that these are all basically guys at AAA because AA only played a couple games and both single A's regular seasons were done by the time, uh, by the end of last podcast. What's fun though is these are numbers that could play in any. And they're other... still good, yeah. These yeah. these are all still excellent. <laughs> the Clippers are a good baseball team. They're yeah, very good. <laughs> so lead us off here with Oscar Mercado. Yeah, remember Oscar Mercado started the regular season with uh, Cleveland, got DFA'd, got DFA'd twice. Um, I can't remember if he. I think he did get picked up by somebody, but then he got released by them, and we picked him back up, but. He's been at AAA and he's been very good uh, over the last two weeks. Had a 405 batting average with a 510 on base, 524 slugging, uh, 185 WRC plus. Now, granted, BAPIP 459, that is uh, exceptionally high, but over 12 games, he had 17 hits, 12 doubles, five or 12 singles, five doubles, eight walks compared to five strikeouts. So, 
you're walking more than you're striking out. That is a good sign. Uh, so 15.7 walk rate, 9.8 strikeout rate. Uh, also got hit by a pitch. Knocked in 10 runs, scored eight. Just really nice job, Oscar Mercado. Good for you. I hope that earned you a shot with another team in the offseason. I'm glad that he came back because he kind of is a story. He's part of the story of this season. Like he got, he was part of the kerfluffle with the Yankees early yeah. in the season, and mm-hmm. and and he helped set the attitude for the whole team for the whole year at the beginning of the year when we needed it, and the team didn't have a lot. Like basically, all most of his hits with Cleveland were home runs this year. Yeah, I wonder if it says something about an organization that after a guy is. TFA has a shot somewhere else, could essentially, I'm guessing, go anywhere else, potentially, if he was just going to take a AAA assignment. That might be reading too much into it. Either way, I'm glad he's in the org right now again. It's cool. He's neat. Yeah, and good for him. And like I said, you know, we've got obviously too much depth in the outfield. Like, there, there's no way that he's really going to have a chance to make the team next year. So He'd have I- to do the cream and the clear. But he's good enough that somebody's going to sign him. Somebody's yeah, he'll, give him a shot. he deserves a shot next season with the team for sure. Yep. Next up, we've got uh, one of those other players that got promoted from Double A to Triple A. And while John Kenty Noel has you know struggled a little bit at Triple A, uh, this guy has taken that opportunity by the you know full force. Um, Jose Tana, if you remember. Finished last year so incredibly strong that Cleveland had to add him to their 40-man roster because he was the best player in terms of uh, hitting at the Arizona Fall League. Like, literally just tore that league up as, I think, a 19-year-old. So, uh, one of the younger players in that league. And he's doing the exact same thing here. Finishing out his final two weeks of the regular season on fire. Slashing uh, 343, 425, 743 slugging. Annihilating the ball like that during the stretch at AAA. It's a really, really incredible sign. Um, speaking of guys who have gotten promoted and definitely made something of that opportunity, Xavier Curry, uh, he made a start and also had a piggybacking appearance. So he pitched eight innings in total, only allowed one run, two walks, had 10 strikeouts and only nine hits. Uh, definitely looked great in his opportunity. Yeah, in his start, he allowed one run with uh, four strikeouts and two walks um, in five innings. But I think the most impressive performance was uh, Zach Playsack made his rehab start and pitched either four or five shutout innings. Looked really good. Uh, and Curry followed him and... It, held his own because he went three uh, shutout innings with six strikeouts. So really, really impressive. So basically it wasn't a full start because obviously Playsick had gone five innings, I think so, um, or at least four innings and Curry came in and just slammed the door. Most of the time we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, 
We'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. So, really, really good finish to the season by Savion Curry, who made two starts with Cleveland. One of them was good where he went five innings, gave up three runs, and and all of those runs were like bapipped runs, like really soft contact luck stuff. Stupid then he had, then he, Yeah. Then he had one not-so-good start where I think he walked like five or six guys. So, uh, you know, I, I, I was pretty impressed with what I saw out of him at the major league level, and I'm excited to see more of it uh, next year. Obviously, he's going to have to uh, try to, you know, be that uh, cream rising to the, to the top when he's in that mix with uh, Cody Morris and Logan Allen and Hunter Gaddis and um, and then Gavin Williams and Tanner Bybee and Daniel Espino and everybody else. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see who it is that Cleveland decides on to uh, complete its rotation and what decisions they make about their pitching. Yeah, the starting pitching situation is turning into a little bit of a, a gladiator pit. Yeah, and then you factor in, you know, Pilkington as well, who has had a few pretty good starts, including that one where he went five and whatever two thirds no hit. So, so you got to you got to throw him in there too. So the last guy in our top five, I think I'm actually the most excited about what he's done. Now, I will I will let you read the stats, but Nick. And right. We also have Adam Scott. I was so excited. I just jumped right to Nick and right. So we're, we're going for it, Brian, and we'll come back to Adam. Okay. Give me Nick's stats. <laughs> All right. Uh, Nick Enright pitched six and a third innings of relief and dominated. Did not allow a run, struck out seven, walked zero, allowed just two hits. Had a 35% strikeout rate, struck out 9.95 per nine. Obviously, strikeouts per walk was infinity. So he was really, really impressive. Liquidating hitters. Just they're gone. Yeah, he's he's definitely a future bullpen candidate because he's been a guy that has had really good strikeout numbers his entire minor league career, and he's pitching well at AAA. So I definitely think he's going to be in the mix for the bullpen next season. It, it, just such a dominant stretch of appearances for a reliever. It's I get hyped when I see it, especially at this level in the minors, because it wouldn't be the first time we've seen someone who's done that end up contributing sooner rather than later with an absurd number of strikeouts and maybe some hair petting antics. The thing that I like about it is he... Uh... Is doing it as a 20th round pick. So another one of those, you know, late inning steals potentially. Um, Cleveland has been known to locate them from time to time. Yeah. He is Rule 5 eligible this year. So he was a college arm drafted in 2019. Yeah, if they don't protect him, somebody might steal him. It could be a case of the Rule 5 giveth and the Rule 5 taketh away. 
It's going to be hard for anybody to take away something better than we got in Trevor Steffen. (laughs) Seriously, he's been outstanding this year. Literally, it took him this year, and he's already our best Rule 5 draft pick in club club history. It's not even even close. So, all right. Back to Um, Adam Scott. (laughs) Poor Adam Scott. Um, He really did have a nice stretch here. Now, he wasn't perfect like Nick Enright, and he did allow an earned run um, in the exact same amount of innings pitched, a 6.1. So his ERA was 1.43, but he struck out twice as many people in the exact same it, amount it, of innings. It's silly. So 14 strikeouts over six and a third innings, had a strikeout per nine of 19.89. Those are Karen check minor league numbers. Yeah, it's in that and, neighborhood. Uh, yeah. And, and did walk three guys, hit another one. So there's a reason that, you know, he, he did give up that run. It's because he was a little bit more effectively wild, which is Karen Check-esque. Um, what's funny is Scott was a starting pitcher his entire minor league career until this season. They moved him to the bullpen um, because he was struggling as a starter. So maybe he's found, found a home there like uh, Mason Hickman did. We were just talking about this recently on the podcast starters specifically who end up making the transition to pitching as a reliever and then are lights out. So maybe him too. A lot of relievers started out as starting pitchers. Emmanuel Classe was a starting pitcher. Indeed. Back when he was with, uh, even before Texas, I think even. So I think he was with the Padres at one point. Um, And uh, Mariano Rivera was a starting pitcher. You know, so a lot of a lot of the the best closers of all time used to be starters. So I'm not saying Adam Scott's going to be one of the best closers of all time. I was but, waiting for it, man. Uh, but if he can put strikeout numbers like that, like that's a, that's worth getting excited about. So especially as a lefty, you know, another lefty weapon. Right now, obviously, we have Sam Hentges just locking it down this season, like a revelation. Right? He's been incredible. And yeah, it, unbelievable. If you're Adam Scott or if you're Henches, for example, and you go from kind of struggling and plodding along as a starter to suddenly you come in in the seventh inning and you come back to the dugout and everyone's high-fiving you and shit, like, yeah, that, that might be a little bit more fun day-to-day, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested to see if he can uh, keep that going now. He'll also, I believe, be Rule 5 eligible this year, but uh, I don't expect someone to take him, but... Uh, somebody might. I mean, he's a reliever that uh, has the ability to strike out people at a high rate at AAA right now. So, and he was a college senior draft pick. So he's he's a little bit older. Worst case scenario or best case scenario, he's still at AAA next year, fighting for a bullpen spot. And that bullpen's getting crowded now, which is a the good. Churn- it's a really good thing. Only the churning of time will tell us how their fates will end up within the organization. But for now, we move to the corner cupboard. Which is pretty bare because three of our four players did not play. (laughs) Why didn't you go to the store, Brian? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But on the bright side, my boy, Will Brennan, who started the year at AA, raked, got promoted to AAA, raked, got promoted to the major leagues, where... In just five games played, he's already tallied six hits and stolen two bases. We love to see it. 
I don't think he has a walk. I think that's wrong, but he did get hit by a pitch. So hell yeah, Will Brennan, beast mode. He's already got three RBIs as well, scored a run. Um, I, I'm just loving what I'm seeing out of him. So way to go, Will Brennan. You're a madman. Insane, perhaps even in the membrane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, love Will Brennan. I'm so happy. Uh, he 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 basically got called up and has done exactly what I thought he would do. Like get up, make contact, hit those slapping singles all over the place. And I think as he gains confidence, he's going to start hitting more uh, doubles. Like he's not a huge power guy, but he can hit more home runs than Quan. Like he's got more power than Quan naturally. So I think honestly, with the way he's already hitting him and uh, Arias, Arias. I can see both of them uh, making contributions to this team during the playoffs. Like Brennan might be in that starting lineup, like routinely. Tom Hamilton seems to think that will be the case. He's referenced it a couple of times on the broadcast. Yeah, in the he's, last week. he's already shown he's a better defender than Oscar Gonzalez. Like he's made some pretty impressive catches. Like Oscar's got a cannon. He like, does. He, he literally has a hose. Like, I think I saw a stat that he has the third highest graded arm out of every outfielder in baseball. I've, I've mentioned it on the podcast yeah. before, but I, one yeah. last time, the throw so, I saw in person was singular. It was yeah. nuts. I've never seen anything like it. Um, so that can make up for maybe him not being as good at reading the ball and getting good jumps like Straw and Quan do. Um, but Brennan does. Brennan has that exact same ability to just race to a ball and make those crazy plays. Like I, an outfield of Quan, Brennan, and Straw, like you literally are going to have to torch the ball to get it to hit the hit the ground if you're hitting a hard drive in the air. Yeah, in order to get a hit, you'd have to hit either a home run or a double. But if you hit a double, it's a single because they're all standing right there as soon as it drops. Good, good luck. Yeah. Like, and then Oscar can just, you know, DH. Which, exactly. And DH has kind of been like our weak spot ever since we traded Fran Meal or, or DFA'd Fran Meal. Oscar at DH, I would have no problem. So, Especially if some of these doubles start getting that little bit of extra lift and carry and suddenly he's stroking well, 30, Oscar, 35. He's already back up over 10 home runs at the major league level now. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's been, you know, had that nice two home run game the other day. So, Porous and yellow. Sorbent, indeed. <laughs> so, uh, since the end of this podcast has uh, a little bit of a lower in terms of, I would say, ex- extra things to talk about, um, I proposed a Matt and I trade our top <clears throat> tens moving forward for 2023. I, I put mine here on the spreadsheet. Brian, I, just, I just scrolled down and saw it. Ours are going to be very different, by the way. Okay, I, I'm excited to see what yours are. We're going to get the big reveal here in a second. All right. So, uh, do you want to do your entire top ten, or do you want to like trade back and forth one, one, two, two? No, I think it would be more fun to read the entire list out, and then we'll withhold reactions until we've both had a chance to read them. I'll let you go first. Okay. <clears throat> Too early. 2023 top 10 Cleveland Guardians prospects. Number one, Gavin Williams. Number two, Ryan Rocchio. Number three, 
Bo Naylor. Number four, George Valera. Number five, John Kensey Noel. Number six, Daniel Espino. Number seven, Chase DeLauder. Number eight, Tanner Bybee. Number nine, Nolan Jones. Number 10, Gabriel. Oh, man. Number 10, Gabriel Arias. You get to the last name and you just flip. <laughs> Do you feel like you forgot someone or are you good? I suspect I may have forgotten someone, but well, I don't it's think a you decent did. list. I'm just curious. So it's, it's uh, a good I consider putting Ethan Hankins in at 10 as a, ooh, but I. No, no, no. It's you can't too. He wasn't, yeah. he wasn't a 10 before this season and he pitched one inning. So. It would be putting too much pressure on a guy because, as we know, this podcast is simulcast on the CTC network and MTV. So now, a now lot one of, of people... mine is kind of cheating because he's he's getting he's not going to lose his rookie status, but he's already played a, a bit at the majors. Um, but okay, number one for me, I'm going Daniel Espino. I'm, I'm not dropping him because he got hurt. Like. His everybody still has him in like their top twenty in all of Major League Baseball prospects, um, and I believe in him. And I think next year he's going to come out and just murder everyone. Yep. So pitcher number one, number two, I'm going Gavin Williams. I mean, just absolutely destroyed everyone this year, um, and I think he just has pure filth in terms of what he throws. He's He's tall, he's lanky, he throws, you know, 98, 99 miles an hour with good off-speed uh, breaking stuff. I, I just cannot wait. And, and he is ready to be rocketed up to AAA and, and the majors. Three, I'm going Tanner Bybee. So pitcher, pitcher, pitcher. Pitching factory. And obviously Bybee just exploded up the rankings wasn't even in the top 30 to begin this season. But when you're a guy that has, you know, not quite Shane Bieber-esque control, but that's what you're known for. And then you throw seven miles an hour harder. Um, I don't know if Bybee had a bad start the entire season. Literally every, almost every one of his starts all season was a quality start. Like maybe his worst start all year. He gave up like three runs. Like, he absolutely obliterated people. And he was better at double-A than he was at, at high-A. And he so was great fun. at high-A. It's kind of like reverse splits in a way when someone is suddenly better despite having just been promoted. Yeah. So that's, I think, what really sold me on Bybee being that high up. Um, and then for four, I've got Naylor. Um, just unbelievable season. Um this was this was his true breakout season, and the fact that he's hit just as well at AAA after being promoted is what really sold me. Because you could say that okay, his numbers were good because he was repeating at AA, and after having a bad year last year, but the fact that he got promoted and kept raking, kept raking. Yep. So you have to you have to just fly him up there. Um, then five, I've got Valera who. Didn't do anything wrong. He had a great season. Hit like 24, 25 home runs. Um, had a strong AAA. Just did everything right and got punished for it because other people were even better. <laughs> I felt a little bad to see him move down to number four, but I I really believe in Rokio. 
Williams is electric and it, it, being number four and probably so the best six in baseball is not such a bad thing. Yep. Prove us wrong. Six, I've got Rokio uh, right there. Um, was just as good as Valera. Uh, impressive strikeout uh, rate. Uh, walk rate was pretty good. Bashed 18 home runs, I think. So showing some pop. Um, just really liked what I saw out of Rokio. Um, seven, I'm going to Arias. Uh, not going to punish him too much because he had some injuries, especially because he's finishing the season really strong. He had a great stretch there over his final month or so at AAA, and he looks like he looks like a major leaguer right now. So uh, I'm, I'm going to keep him at seven, and he'll probably be graduating early next year off of this list. Um, eight, I'm going Angel Martinez. Um Angel Martinez was sensational this season. Uh, he had a 140 WRC plus in 77 games as a 20 year old at high A. And then he had a 120 WRC plus in 24 games at double A. So barely slowed down at all uh, after getting promoted. He kept the exact same strikeout rate, literally 17.5. 17.5. So, and his ISO actually improved power numbers. Um, ended up bashing uh, 13 home runs uh, and 23 doubles, four triples. So, just really, really solid uh, season from Angel Martinez and elite defense. So, like, there are people saying that he might be our best middle infield prospect out of the, of the group. But, so he is the player that is not on the 40 man that absolutely 100% is a must add in the offseason. So um, nine, I've got Chase DeLouder. Again, all potential, but our first round pick, dude put up just redonkulous numbers at in college and at uh, the Cape Cod League. So can't wait to see him next year. And then number 10, I've got Cody Morris. He was a fringe top 10 entering the season because he was so good last year and was entering this season, he was going to compete with with Savali and Playsec for a starting rotation spot, and then he had that shoulder injury, missed about the first three quarters of the year, and then I don't think he's even 100% yet, but got promoted back up to the major league level when we needed a starter, and he was great. Like It seemed like every one of his starts, he would give up one or two runs or fewer, and we would have a chance to win. Like and, and he got better and better every time we saw him. So, like he's got legit good stuff that gets major league hitters out. I think he was the one rookie that we called up this year that was not intimidated by major league hitters. Like he put up good numbers at the major league level, and he still has his rookie status, so he technically counts. And I think. Uh, He's going to be a guy that's really going to be fighting for a, a spot to start in the rotation next year. I like this list too. So that's my <laughs> list. And I'm not punishing like Nolan Jones or John Kenzie Noel. They all they both had really good seasons. It's just Cleveland's system is that good. <laughs> like I probably have Noel and Jones at like eleven and twelve. Yeah, and I. I tend to not take the order of top tens and such too seriously. Maybe think of it as broken into thirds or so, but 
yeah, it seems like for the most part we agree on who the must-watch type players are or who we think are most likely to succeed. So I, I know how often we get into hostile, openly, um, just frankly disgusting arguments on this podcast, <laughs> but it seems like we should be able to avoid it a little bit more often in the future. Yeah, I think I think we're, we'll be on the same page. <laughs> just barely. I'm glad you asked us to put it together. It was fun to see um, exactly where we stand. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, I think for this set of weeks, we're done. And I'm not sure exactly when we will meet again, because as noted, there's like a game left. Yeah. We might do maybe a pre-Rule 5 draft podcast or something. Um, and I would probably say then after that, our next podcast would be either b- right before or maybe right after uh, our top 20 prospect countdown starts or finishes. If we do a Rule 5 podcast, I'm going to bring the hype. <laughs> it's going to make the NFL draft coverage look like a kid's birthday party. Yes, baby. I know I'm going to write some articles about it. So. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, well, I do have... Uh, you're perhaps familiar with EE Gammings oh, at yes, this point. Please. Um, this one's kind of fun. So, <clears throat> You subsist. We crave Jacob Stallings is a ridiculous first baseman, a glad cherry of fear. We are all cut fastballs. Turning 